at the beginning, no one supported us. When we went to, to Atlanta, like people looked me in my eye and said, just because you're going there doesn't mean you're going to make it. I remember people saying like all sorts of comments like that, thinking we were nuts. That's why I want to be that support system in people's ears saying, yo, if you want to do this, it's possible. But that's why, just so for context, when I go into those stories, that's why I'm telling it. It's not like, yo, I met Scooter Braun. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just want to say that, like, yo, I've seen these worlds. Like, I remember seeing Taylor Swift's fingers. Like, she had no fingernails because of the, the um, I had so much respect for her when I saw that her fingers were curled up because she's been playing the guitar since she was four. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, that inspires me. And, like, I've seen the details in what it takes for people to, to uh, you know, get their ideas to the world and, and build followings and make an impact on people. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the life stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. As always, today's podcast is powered by TrueFan. Before we get into today's conversation with Tom Boyd, there's a couple things that we need to go over first. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to leave us a positive rating and review. Share this episode with a friend and subscribe to the show. I put out brand new interviews every single Monday and a brand new takeaways episode is an audio exclusive where I sit down and break down the most recent podcast episode of the week every single Thursday. And now without further ado, I'm very excited to present to you my conversation with Tom Boyd. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the life stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. As always, today's podcast is powered by TrueFan. Today on the show, we are joined by Tom Boyd. People often refer to the Dos Equis man as the most interesting man on the planet, but Tom can compete for that title. He's had sushi with Scooter Braun, partied in college with Asher Roth, babysat Justin Bieber, hitchhiked with Kid Cudi, spent time in the studio with Pharrell, and even swam in P. Diddy's pool. People have often referred to him as Jimmy Buffett for the lifestyle that he leads. And today, he is helping creators become better creators, and I cannot be more excited to have him here on the podcast today. Tom, welcome to the show. That was good, man. I might take that for my website and put that <laughs> put that as the landing page on my website. Comparing me to the Dos Equis guy, that's legendary. Thanks, man. I'm excited to be on the show. Thanks for doing your research behind everything. Oh, my pleasure, man. I'm excited to have you here. And when I want to start, I want to go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the days in Westchester, Pennsylvania, WC East High School, if I'm not mistaken. Bro, what are you doing? This is crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Westchester East. Let's go. <laughs> And so like, what were you, what were you like as a kid growing up, even in high school? Like, what were you like? Did you have like, what was the goals, aspirations at that time? Man, I never went back this far. Um, the aspirations in high school, I think the, the big thing for me, the, the thing that is top of mind was to become someone that wasn't living in the shadow of my older brother. <laughs> so, so I'm a middle child and, you know, middle child's children have a difficult time getting attention. So they, they learn how to get attention. And, uh, but in, when I was in high school, when I came in, my brother was a legend, like an athletic legend, like good looking, all American, like literally came, like he was like four years old, had six pack abs. Like he was just like the dude that everyone wanted to be. So when I came in, everyone was like, oh, little Richie, oh, little Richie. And I was Little Richie for three years until like everyone graduated and like I couldn't be Little Richie anymore. And then I loved it at first. Like I was like, oh, cool, I'm getting attention. But then I was like, wait, like all I'm doing is being compared to him. 
And then there was a moment where I was like, I got to start flipping the script. I, you know, I got to stop playing the same positions as him in sports. I got to start listening to different music. I got to wear different stuff so people can't compare me and, and like my own person. So a, a little bit out of like just wanting to be recognized as, as me, as like, like who, who my original self, uh, even though I took a lot of pride at the beginning, like, oh, you know, it's it's pretty cool to be associated with such a cool guy but then i started to feel competitive about it and and i was just like i need to be a different person and then i don't know i don't know how that's kind of led to where i am today but it's definitely um i, I you know i think when you're putting out content when you're creating when there's any bit of that you it's like a constant battle or a constant effort of trying to figure out what your voice is how you want to show up into the world and in high school, I just remember, you know, trying to navigate that, you know, that in, in, you know, with the, you know, peers and social groups. I'm curious what the situation was where you stole a Mace CD from Matt Schaub. Yo, how, where are you getting this stuff? <laughs> Yo, you're like Nardwar. <laughs> um, uh, so Matt Schaub is, uh, he, He's, he just retired this year from the NFL. He is he's been in the league for 17, 18 years. He had strong run in Atlanta and then like seven years in in Houston as their as their quarterback. And he's he's always just been like a stand-up guy in the league, like a good solid QB to have on your team. And then he was a backup at Atlanta for a couple of years. Uh so Matt Schaub was my older brother's best friend. Uh so he would come over our house. We'd play backyard football. We'd play, you know, wiffle ball. Like I learned, like he was essentially, he calls himself the fourth Boyd brother. Cause we, I have two other brothers. Uh, there's three of us total. He calls himself the fourth Boyd brother. His calls my, my parents, you know, essentially mom and dad. He, when he graduated, uh, his parents moved away. So he was, um, from high school. So he lived in our house that whole summer. He's someone that I've always looked up to and always bonded with. And, he, uh, yeah, he would drive me around to my, like, uh, he would drive me around all the time. And one time I, there was just a Mace CD on the ground and I, I asked him if I could borrow it and I just never gave it, gave it back. <laughs> and, uh, Matt's always been a, a, a big homie to me and just someone that I've always looked up with. He was probably the first example in my world where I saw something, you know, you know, back in the day, it was hard to be connected to anyone like kind of doing anything that was like outside of your town. If you lived in like small town PA or small town, um, wherever. Right. And Matt was the first person that I saw put in the work. And I remember there was a moment where Matt, um, we would come over his house and he'd be shooting foul shots and his dad made him sh like make a thousand or like a hundred foul shots every single day. Cause it bas basketball is one of his sports. And I remember seeing that work ethic. He would, he would, when all, everyone else was playing video games, doing other things, he was putting in work. And then a couple of years later, that work paid off when he was drafted into the NFL. And that was the first time I saw someone like come from small town PA to go and like make it in like, uh, uh, an industry that is really hard to, to make it in, or, or at least, get exposure in or get an opportunity in which, which Matt did. And, and he ended up having a, a tremendous career, but Matt was one of the people where I was like, Oh, it's possible to do things that are uh, outside of this world.
So we got the work ethic and the ability to make it out of Westchester. Now, another key part of your narrative is music. And I want to talk about the best concert you've ever been to, which from my understanding is also the first concert you ever went to, Kanye West in Wilmington, rocking a pink polo. Oh my gosh. So bring back my older brother into the story. Uh, Yeah, I think Kanye just, I don't even think he had the full album out yet. I think he just had like instrumentals and he was doing he had like the leaked version of the album out. He didn't have the actual album out. And he had a show in Dela- Wilmington, Delaware, which is about 40 minutes away from us. And I think on a whim, me and my older brother, just we've never been to a concert before. And we're like, oh, let's, this will be fun. Like, let's, let's go to, it was probably like 19 bucks. And we were like three feet away. And he was doing like his dances. Remember he would do the Jesus Walks dance. It was so rad. And you could just see the guy's enthusiasm on stage. And I mean, in hindsight, I want to say like, oh, I knew he was going to be big then, but uh, it was just really cool to see uh, Ye in that environment. And we were flipping out. We loved it. I, th- I think any, you know, being able to be that first, that close to a legend um, and like look back at it uh, as your first concert is, is pretty neat. It, it felt like a local show too. It felt like, like it wasn't full. Like there was no one pushing up on my back. There was no one behind me. You know, it was like, it was just like hanging out, watching this dude like play his tracks. To college. So that was high school. College now. So you stuck around, you stuck in Westchester for college and you went to be a teacher, right? Because your whole family is teachers, like your mom, dad, siblings, everyone. Yeah, everyone, every everyone in my family are teachers and they're great teachers. They're teachers that uh show up and they want to be there. And that's the best thing that you can do for the future of America and or the future of the world. Uh, you know, just like actually be a teacher that wants to be there. And I remember getting into the programs and realizing that there was so much in the way from actually doing the teaching part. There was the standardized testings. There was the dealing with the parents. There was like all of the other stuff that I just didn't like. And whenever like I had to like learn about that stuff or do that stuff, I was like, yo, this, this isn't for me. Like the teaching part, when I'm in front of a class, I'm crushing it. I love it. But, uh, I just, I just felt being too restrained and I knew that I wanted to explore other other avenues. And so I've heard, I've had like I have a quote written down here. You said that once you realize that like being a teacher wasn't for you, you're just kind of floating through college, right? So how did like when you're in that? What's your advice to someone that's going through that situation now, where they don't necessarily know what they want to do and they're just kind of floating around, you know, like looking for just distractions to distract themselves from the fact they don't know what they want to do? Like, what's your advice to someone in that scenario? Yeah, uh, that's a that's a great question. One, I would start reading. Um, I would start reading anything by Seth Godin, Stephen Pressfield, and listening to Tom Bilyeu podcasts. <laughs> and I feel like that'll get your brain going. Next, I would create a side project sprint with two to three of your good friends and say, hey, let's make a project where we are the bosses where we get to say yes or no to the final product. It could be selling, creating a snap, a snapback brand. It could be, hey, let's create a, you know, a concert at our school, right? Like let's do something that we get to, uh, we get to be the, have the, the autonomy and the accountability to see this through. Like if it fails, it's on us. If it succeeds, it's on us because so much time is spent not doing projects where you have accountability and you only really learn when you 
need have accountability for whether or not it works or not. Because if I fail for the brand I'm working with or like the company, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really affect my bottom line. But when it affects the success of your project, you learn a lot. You develop a bond with your friends. And then you start to pick up a knack and a sense for the skills of the things that you like to do, what the world's responding to you about. Uh, so yeah, pick a sprint, like a three to six month sprint of a project where you can say, Hey, let's do it. It doesn't need, need to be a business that we start and be partners with forever. Let's just pick this thing, go all in. And I, I, the reason I say that is like, I sort of started to do that towards the end of my college career with Asher and, and with our friends unofficially. And that was when I started to feel like more purpose and more I like excitement about like what I had to offer to the world and, and yet, uh, allowed me to, to, um, avoid the distractions of just like partying and just slogging through. <laughs> I like the idea of doing it as a sprint. Cause I feel like that's something not a lot of people talk about when it comes to quote unquote, finding your passion is like, it overwhelms a lot of people because they're looking for that thing they could see themselves doing for the rest of their lives. And you're never going to find that by doing something just off the rip. So by doing that sprint three to six months, you're going to get a sense, right? And like you mentioned Tom Bilyeu, I listened to his interview with Cal Newport and they talked about finding your passion is finding like minor areas of interest and working at them. And over time, as you become better and you put time into it, it'll become a passion over time. So after three to six months, that gives you like a good benchmark of whether you actually love this thing you're going to do or not. And then if you know going into it, it's only three to six months, it's not a lot of waste of time. And you've already set the the rules in place that you could potentially move on after this. So it's not going to be deemed as wasted time. You know, it could be finite when you go in. Exactly. And I'm just going to jump, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but I started later, I started directing and shooting music videos or co-directing with my team of friends. And we were just making funny songs, putting them out. And I was like an integral part of being like on camera, like writing the lyrics, rapping them, like in the, in the videos, making the songs. And it was a really fun experience. But I set out to do that. I was like, I want to be like the artist. I want to be the guy. I want to be the guy. But then like towards the end of it, I was like, you know, I think my knack is more creative direction, storytelling, writing, directing, and not, I don't really want to be like someone that performs and goes on tour and is on stage. So like I had to do the project though, to see what I was good at. hundred percent. And then even if you don't stick with that, you're stacking skills on top of each other now, which allows you to differentiate yourself down the road. Exactly. But speaking of Asher, you first heard of him because I believe it was the the guy across from your dorm room went to high school with him or something like that. Yo, where did I even say this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Vector. Kyle Vector. Yeah, it's actually a really, really funny story. I never even said this story. I'll tell you this story. So I remember coming in uh, to my dorm room late night and uh, it was like probably like 2.33 p.m. And I remember I was on the fourth floor and I didn't like my roommate and I come in and I go into my room and my roommate is playing Madden with the volume on a hundred. It was so loud. And all I wanted to do was go to sleep. So I was just like, Oh my gosh. So I just, I was like, you know, I'm just going to wander around the dorm and just like see if anyone's like hanging out in the, in the lounge areas. So I ventured down to another floor it was the second floor. And there was all these people hanging out. And I just sat down, never met any of them and just started chatting it up with them and just like shooting the shoot. No idea what I was saying. Um, like we were just like having fun, right? Just connecting. I didn't know him. Uh, and I think in the conversation, I mentioned that like my, like I'm trying to find another roommate and 
So like nothing happened. I went upstairs, went to sleep, uh, went to the cafeteria the next day and I walk in and there's this table and they're all like, yo, and they're all the people from the night before. They were like, yo, come sit down. And I sat next to Kyle and, uh, Kyle was like, yo, uh, I know that you don't like your roommate. Um, the guy across the hall, his roommate is transferring. Like you should, I'll give you his number. You should connect with him and come move down here. Uh, and then, so I ended up working out next semester. I moved down there and it's funny. Like, like, I don't think if I went into that room, if I didn't venture down to the second floor that night, I would have never met Asher. Like, like, so Kyle is the one that I became friends with across the hall and they start hanging out at mutual parties. And like, that's how I got to like, you know, our, our worlds, me and Asher's world overlap. So I, I, I put that in, it, I put those pieces together more recently. I was like, yo, if I don't venture in there, have that conversation with those people, make that like, kind of like random connection. It's just, that's just the way everything works. So business works, networking opportunities. It's just, you don't know where the, op like the connections are going to come from. No, hundred percent. And it's always cool to look back and connect those pieces like what is that small little decisions that i made that just had like such a crazy domino effect i just think it's crazy i appreciate my roommate for playing madden that night <laughs> absolutely and so you first officially quote like met asher from my understanding his wasn't in a great we'll say headspace at the time when you first met him at a party yeah yeah he he was yeah he was spitting bars he was freestyling and there was two guys in the in the freestyle battle and one guy was trying really hard you know how like the one guy is like 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 and then asher had his hoodie up and he was just smiling and he was just flowing and i was like this guy's pretty cool like he doesn't seem to care but he's really crushing it and so it was a couple days later or a couple weeks later where you're driving to work late and he comes running out of an alley and flags you down because he's also late to work or something like that yeah uh-huh and then uh i i decided that you know whatever what's i could be 10 more i'm already late i should you know what's 10 more minutes so i picked him up and i drove him to work and we exchanged numbers and i've heard you say that you don't think he remembered you from that party because nah, he was just not the least bit he doesn't remember he doesn't remember i love him he, he doesn't he doesn't remember the last conversation that me and him just had <laughs> i'm just no, 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 no. That's a joke. That's a joke. Um, but yeah, yeah, he didn't remember that. So my question is, did he come running out of this alley flagging down any car that would just pull over and drive him to work? I, I, I don't, I, I think it was maybe because I was driving slow and like maybe I waved at him too and he was just like, uh, like, I, oh, I can trust this person. I, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. I have no idea actually. But it was, I'm telling you, it was, he was tucking in his Kildare shirt uh, that he worked at like once a month. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why he trusts me. Maybe, I mean, small town college world, you know, people just trust people. Plus it was like a while ago. <laughs> Fair enough. Cause this is back like 06, 07 probably. Yeah. 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 And so then from that moment, kind of like after you drop him off at work, like you guys kind of stayed in touch, met him at some, like hung out with him at some other parties and then you kind of just start hyping up around campus, right? Like with no intentions, like you just thought he was dope, right? And you're like, let me just kind of try and help this guy out, right? Yeah, I just totally believed in it. I saw that people, I, I had this, I remember seeing people around him and I was like, why aren't people screaming this from the rooftops? And I was just like, well, I can do what I know how to do and just tell more people about it. And I started telling more people about it. And like one thing leads to another. Next thing I'm like driving them to studio sessions. We're just developing a relationship. And I think it's kind of good. Like 
what I noticed in a in a creative if you're doing anything creative, especially then in a in a small college town where no one was really pursuing any sort of arts or creativity, like independent of like like a traditional career, uh, it, there's not that many people that are like get it or support it. And like for me, I was like, this is really neat. I just want to like help it. And then I realized it's hard for him to promote his own stuff. And I was like, I'm game to be the cheerleader. I'm game to be the guy that's like. Yo, you got to listen to this because it almost makes him look a little like too promotional if he's asking people to do stuff. But it's like if it's his, like a supporter, then it, it, it feels it feels better. Yeah. And so because like, he had like a, a pseudo manager investor type guy who was kind of around him at that point, but no like team or anything. Right. Nah, not really. Just like just like homies that would uh, yeah show up and, and support when it. Um, yeah, he, he had a lot. He had, he had like good friends, a couple good high school friends that like kind of gave him the foundation of like his recording process but uh at westchester yeah not really anyone that was like immediately helping him a couple like music producers um but yeah we didn't have that much trust in a future relationship with the guy that he was working with even though like he 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 was an integral part at that time like helping him get the resources yeah and well like you at one point you went and bought like a cheap mic from staples that was used for conferencing for him to record on right yeah, yeah, we uh we we got that mic and what we would do is I, we we would have college parties either at my house or his house. He lived across the street and we would get bored of the party like really quickly. They were like they were like not bangers, they were like hangouts that would develop into like, you know, party scenes. You know, it wasn't like we weren't the rage house, but like we would go into our room like with a like a small group of people and just like freestyle like make bars off of like like little ideas that we saw at the party just to make our friends laugh. And we would record them. Literally, it would be a one take recording. We would record the music, like the instrumental. We would download instrumentals off the internet and then record our, our vocals and the instrumentals at the, or, and our, yeah, the instrumentals at the same time on this cheap mic. They are the grimiest recordings ever, but uh, they made our friends laugh. And that was the goal. And that was back at Matlack Street, right? The best street in America, Matlack Street, Westchester, PA. Don't come to Westchester and not drive through it. It won't, it won't, it won't mean much to you, but the stories of that street, like just walking down that street, looking into the, the, the front decks, the porches, you know, it's like, it's like, it's just college town, you know, vintage college town uh, scenery. And so you mentioned you were like driving him to the studio and stuff and like you'd drive him to shows at different point times. And I'm curious if you could tell me the story about a video you made called Boogieing Up and Down the East Coast. Yeah, so that I I bought a J, uh, JVC handheld camera on the on maybe Amazon. I don't even know what I bought it from. I remember I I didn't have much money at the time. I think I probably won some money uh, gambling on football games, <laughs> and and I and I got this camera, and like I always loved. I don't know. I like when it, it, even younger when everyone had like a home camera out. I'm like, yo, like I want to get on that camera. Like I just like loved like the just capturing things and so i got that camera and then i'll just capture everything everything like just filming like you know having no sense of like what a good shot was you know what made funny like what made i didn't know the word content i was just like filming stuff and a lot a lot of it had nothing to do with asher other like some were just like trips we were taking like the outer banks uh you know just like random stuff and then you know, after like a year of that, I, I just had like a bunch of fun clips. And uh, I think like the end of it, it was like the, the first trip we took to Atlanta. And um, or maybe not. I don't even know. 
we took some trip and then I was like, oh, I should put all these clips together. I, I, I took an Earth, Wind & Fire song and I made it as the backdrop. And then I made, I, it was like that song and then Snoop Dogg's song, Keep Bouncing. And then I just put all these clips in it. Oh, and like kind of the core of that was our homecoming video where we had a, a U-Haul truck with Asher's face plastered on the side and we would pull up the parties and like have, and it had big speakers and like people would just be like dancing in it, dancing on top of it. And that was like, that was like the, the, the core content of that video. Just stupid stuff, just rambunctious stuff. But I think it got, I don't, I posted on YouTube and it got a couple hundred views and I, like a couple hundred views. I'm like, that's crazy. A couple hundred people seeing like this, I started getting insecure. I'm like, Oh, what if they think we're nuts? <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, that was my first sort of uh foray into creating content. Yeah. And I've heard you say in the past too, that like you didn't realize you had this creative muscle until you started working with Asher, like kind of allowed you to flex that muscle more and more. And so like, how was it just, again, kind of back, we talked about finding your passion. Was it just trying things out and figuring out like that you were creative? Cause like you used to think creativity was reserved for people with paintbrushes and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's totally accurate. Uh, Asher doing, Asher having the guts to put it out was super inspiring to me. I think, I mean, I think a lot of what inspires people too is just, it's their immediate friend group is the people around them and their actions inspire them. You know, it's like, how are people carrying, what are people doing? Like what, like how, you know, and, and like Asher just doing that in itself, it gave me an excuse number one to kind of like live vicariously through him, whether I was like helping create content, either just behind the scenes, just seeing it, um, just having an opinion on it. I could just like kind of get a sense of the world. And then yeah, eventually, um, eventually too, just, you know what I realized? It's like, I'm going to try to find an analogy here. I don't know if it's going to work. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you. I, this is the analogy. Say you have like a big jacked friend. <laughs> and like, and like you're not so jacked. But you go into like a new environment. You kind of feel safe with him around. Like, like, like he's going to like, like no one's going to mess with us. Because, because he's like physically superior to everyone. I felt Asher was like, creatively superior to everyone so i was like oh if i'm just around him then like people will really won't like i'm protected you know like at least i don't know like there's kind of like this safety in knowing that like the attention's really going to be on him and uh yeah it just makes it safe for everyone else to do this too so i think i think that's a i don't know i think that analogy kind of works and so Astro just doing it, like I would be confident to hop on songs. I was making songs like by myself. I remember like the first time I played a song for him, I was like so nervous. And I remember like you get one smile out of someone, someone laughing. And I started to realize that like really where my skill set showed up was wasn't anything musical, not a musical bone in my body, but the lyrical content, like writing catchy lines, writing like a, a, a succinct message in a couple words that would evoke an, an emotion out of someone. That's what I was, I, I, that's what I was good at. And even in hindsight, like I'm, I still do that every single day in the marketing, the videos I make, the, the company I work with, but go ahead. Yeah. I think that answered the question. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. What do you do? Like you, like you obviously you, you had Asher, but what do you do if you're someone that doesn't have that jacked creative friend? Like how do you find that? Person? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So more recently, I've been ex so I built a YouTube like uh, not to skip ahead, but I built a YouTube channel. I I did all the things. I made my own videos, and then in the last year, I started creating a brand new account. 
And I purposely haven't shared anything of this brand new account on my old page because I wanted to feel what it felt like starting from zero. zero. Like I'm, I wasn't weighing on any of my old followers because I wanted to like feel that like, yeah, starting fresh feeling. And the account's almost up to 5,000 on, on Instagram. TikTok's almost like 35,000. Probably by the time you hear this, it's a, at 100,000, maybe a million, who knows? And and uh, so I, want, I wanted to feel that what that felt like. And what I would say is, and this is how I did it. I created three goals. I created a metric goal, a process goal, and a fun goal. And the metric goal is like, okay, such and such followers by this time. And the process goal is an amount of videos published or, or published a week. So that's the process. And then like, that is important that, that that's almost, that's especially, I, I think that's more important to get to a, like find a process goal that gets you to a hundred videos in a certain amount of time. Maybe if it's YouTube, maybe it's like a year or two years. If it's TikTok, it might be two weeks <laughs> to post a hundred <laughs> videos, but like find a process goal where you just have to go through the creative process of coming up with the idea, producing the idea and publishing the idea. And each part of that, that sequence, you're going to learn about like what works for you, what you enjoy doing, what the audience is picking up and putting down, but don't put too much worry into the, 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 the metric goal at that point, focus on that process goal at the jump. And then the fun goal for me, I'll just give you an example is on my podcast, Right now, right now, I don't even have a metric goal for my podcast. I did it first, but I decided it's just going to be a process goal uh, to post every single week. And, and then within a year, interview Will Smith. Uh, and then, so that's a fun goal. That's a fun goal that like, if I get closer to the opportunity of filming Will Smith, then like the brand will be better. The podcast will be better. I'll be having fun with, you know, it's just like, it's just like a cool moment to reach for that. Like, even if I miss the podcast will be, uh, you know, it, it'll, it'll help the podcast uh, in some way, shape or form. It's, it's true for the moon. And even if you miss, you'll land among the stars or whatever that saying is. And, and honestly, go back to earlier in the conversation, find a sprint too. do, do it for 30, 60 days. Like, uh, uh, if like, you know, a hundred videos is, is too frightening for you, pick up, you know, some sprint, um, whether it's, I want to do 10 videos. I want to publish 10 tweets in 10 days. Like, Find some sprint that you can just put the blinders on and and just do, uh, and and re yeah, really focus on the process and getting better as opposed to um, like how viral it's going. And what's the name of that podcast? Creators are brands. Creators are brands is the podcast. Creatorsarebrands.com. Go check it out. Uh, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I just interviewed a, a legend yesterday too. And uh, it was amazing. You want to say who the legend was? Uh, Andrew Warner of Mixergy. Okay. Yeah, he, he started the first, essentially the first podcast. He started podcasts before podcasts were podcasts. He had an internet show, interview show that before podcasts were a thing. He was actually like the, supposedly the second person, but the first guy stopped doing it. He, um, so he's been asking people questions for a long time and I was very intimidated asking someone questions, um, 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 that is like a professional, he's literally coming out with a book about how to ask better questions on podcasts. And I was really nervous, but, uh, I ended up crushing it. And he even asked for my episode to be played on his show. So that was just like a cool little moment where I was like, oh, 
I can do this. Let's go. <laughs> That's huge. There's no, not really many better compliments to podcaster than someone asking to, to borrow yeah. this episode. Yeah, so. yeah. That's awesome. And now like kind of on the topic, I know jumping around a little bit here, but talk to me about the name behind the podcast, Creators Are Brands, because there's some significance to that for sure, especially with the where the world is and where the creator economy is right now. Yeah. Yeah, I could talk for an hour about this. And actually, if you want to learn more, go listen to my first episode. I think I talk about it for an hour. Um, but the idea, I've always had a love for the individual creator who's going from idea to publishing to building an audience to monetizing it i just think it's fascinating uh i learned a lot by working with asher i learned a lot in that world and like he was we were creators before the word creator was like a coin thing we we were doing it we were publishing we were exploring it and at that time the most accessible thing to be a creator was like kind of being a mu musician like a youtuber didn't exist like people posted on youtube to complement the business, but it wasn't a place to go and build your like media library. It was like to say, hey, here's a video, but like go buy the product over here it, or like go listen to that. Like it wasn't the mission, but now there's YouTubers, there's TikTokers, there's, uh, there's Pinteresters, if that's a thing, there's tweeters, like there's, there's everyone that is like, that has the ability that doesn't need to go. And at the time we had to go through Scooter Braun, a big label, all these gatekeepers to get like the actual brand to the world. Now you don't have to do that. And I started to realize over the years that like what we were doing in 2008, 2009 is accessible to almost anyone with an iPhone. <laughs> like, and, and like, you know, it, like it, it really is. If you really want to build an audience around a, a, an, an interest, uh, an expertise that you have, it is, po it is possible. And I just have love for it. My wife is a, is a calligrapher, a graphic designer herself. We like, like we'll be in bed, like, you know, going to sleep right before we go to sleep, like talking about like, uh, you know, course platforms. Hey, did you see the, this new course platform? Like it offers this feature now. Like it's just something that we like, like I'm interested in. Like, I really love this world. I have these conversations already. And I, and I've always been told over the years from friends, from Asher, from different musicians, uh, friends like Danny Gavers, who's a YouTuber, they're like, yo, something about conversations with you make me feel like it's possible. And I, I, I take a lot of pride with it from that. You know, I told you my parents are teachers and coaches. Like, that's sort of what we do. We hype people up. And, 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 and uh, it, it's not like it, we don't, I don't like to say the word like, I make it possible for them. I just show them what they're capable. I, I help them to see what they're capable of. It's nothing that I'm actually doing. They already have it. It's just like, I think, um, the, I don't know the way I, I, I approach the conversations. It's just people can see clearly what they're capable of. Um, so I was like, I'm going to put that into podcast form and that's the show. And the whole creators are brands is I've worked for brands as a contractor, as, as a full-time employee, I've been paid for sponsorships and the worlds are merging. And a, a brand is essentially a feeling. It's a relationship that this thing has with its, its their audience. And that's what creators are doing so well. And that's why so many brands want to work with these creators because they have the trust in the relationship. So I also like it too because creators are brands. It gives people – I actually went back and forth with some friends about it because they were like, yo, it's like too obvious. And I'm like, you're right. But I want it to be that obvious. I want people to know exactly what I'm about when they see the podcast title, right? Like they were like, just go with bonus footage. But bonus footage 
like it's because it's my Instagram and my TikTok. Because I, I think about it. I'm a, I think about branding. I have a book right here, Brand Therapy. Like this is I, I love talking about this stuff. Uh, bonus footage is my TikTok and my Instagram, and like yo, just make make it that. I was like, no, I want people when they're scrolling on Spotify podcast app or iTunes, or I tell it to someone, they know exactly what I stand for. Bonus footage doesn't. So that, that's why I kind of landed on that name and I stuck with it. And it's, and it's, uh, I don't know, I'm having fun with it. And I know bonus footage was like an account you already had, but is there an intent to switch the name ever to creators or brands across all your platforms or? No, I, there, there might be an intent to change it to my name, Tom Boyd, uh, change the, the Instagram and the TikTok to Tom Boyd. Uh, but I, I'm not going to change them to creators or brands. I like, I like the bonus footage name for the purpose of the TikTok and and the Instagram. I don't know why it's more of like a feeling. It's like uh you know, I'll tell you why. Cuz I think th- those accounts the way I see it, at least the TikTok. The TikTok is more casting a wide net. And then the podcast is for the long and narrow net. <laughs> you know, like it's like the deep relationships that I'm building with the audience on 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 the podcast, but the TikTok is, I want people, I like, like, you know, I use terms like social media on, on TikTok instead of creator, because not everyone knows, like in our world, everyone knows like the creator economy, like the future of it. But I, I want like, some people are creators. They don't even know that they're creators. They're like, who are you talking to, bro? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so yeah, I, I like, um, I like bonus footage because it's a little more general for that platform. That's in, that's just an interesting point though, about not everyone understanding creators. Like, cause I would have assumed just talking about creators broadly would have been a wide enough net. So how like, where did you come to that insight? Like, how did you put those pieces together? Cause I don't think I would have. I think it was, so I work with a lot of people that are creative entrepreneurs. They're filmmakers, they're directors, they're, they're full on freelancers. And I kind of put that into like the gig economy. That is like, I'm paying this person to do a service for me. But the creator economy is when that person, this is my like kind of way of thinking about it is, is when that person then starts to create those videos to build their own audience. So you're either building someone else's audience or you're building your own audience. And then there's a lot of people doing both. And that works really well, whether doing consulting or some sort of service for someone else, but then they're building their own audience. Uh, and, and I don't know how I'm going to tie this back into the answer. Oh, yeah. So I noticed that a lot of people in that world, I, I could just, in nuanced ways, I could just understand that they didn't under, they didn't, like the creator economy was a new word to them. I was like, well, if the creator economy is a new idea to them, but they, I know that they understand, you know, that people are making money on YouTube. People are making money on Instagram, on TikTok. Like, that is something that, that like m- anyone can understand immediately. So it's more like the concepts behind those instead of saying, you know, I- I'll work in creator here and there. But even if you look at hashtags on TikTok or, or uh, what's it called, uh, on Instagram, creator economy has very few uh, uh, numbers behind it. But if you put up Instagram tips instead of creator tips, it's like billions compared to creator tips. So it just sort of like that sense that people don't identify yet as creators. Like I think the people that are hardcore, that follow Colin and Samir, that that there are people that that do get that. Uh, But yeah, I I don't know. It's just kind of a a, a sense. I don't know. I might be wrong, but um, that's the way I'm rocking it. 
Yeah, no, I don't think you're wrong at all. And so how do we get more people to realize that they are creators? Mm. How do we get, well, I believe everyone has the potential to be a creator. I, I, I believe that it's, it comes down to not everyone has the courage to be a creator because it takes a lot of guts. I mean, even for me, it's easy to, to, to work for a brand uh, you know, do a commercial for them, make a video and like put it out on their channel. Cause I'm not being like my personality, my identity isn't being judged, but when you put it out under your own name, it, 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 it's, it's a bold, it's a bold move. You know, you're putting it out there and people get to decide whether or not they like you or not. <laughs> and, and they'll, and they'll tell you. <laughs> and uh, so it comes down to the courage to do it. And, and for me, what helps me the most is um, because I was super insecure about it. Like for years, honestly, I think I, I, it's just sort of clicked in the last two years, even though I've been putting out content for 10 years, the, the why, the understanding behind like the impact that I want to make as an individual is more important than what a negative comment might mean to me. So it, like I just, ha you have to accept the fact that the more people that like you, the more people are going to show up to, to try to <laughs> cut you down. Like that's just, it, it's just the, it's just how the internet works. And if you don't want to play that game, then maybe just continue to work for brands. But I will tell you it's possible if you can start to find the mental fortitude to to put the uh, the emphasis on the people you're impacting with your ideas, your shorts, your comedies, your vlogs, whatever, and know that they're more important than the haters. Uh, it's it's worth it. And early, speaking with like knowing, telling people it's possible, you mentioned how people will talk to you and tell you that just hearing you speak makes them realize it's possible. And I will kind of second that because I remember like in prepping for this, I listened to podcasts that you've done and stuff like that. And I remember being like, man, I'm thinking too small. You know, I got to think bigger. I got to, and I remember like <laughs> yes, the next morning, it's I, working. Like, <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Cause I like journaled and I was like, what would my podcast look like if it was more than just a podcast? And I like this whole like three, four pages of just like notes, of, like what could it yes. possibly be? And that came from listening to you and like, and just getting fired up listening to you. And I think like where a lot of creative struggle, and you mentioned Seth Godin earlier, and that's the dip, right? So what is your advice to creators as they're going through a dip? I'm going to answer this question by referencing Seth Godin's blog. And the, the title of it is Q&A, The Dip and Knowing When to Quit, because he's much better at articulating it for, at, than me. I'm still trying to navigate when's the best time to quit and when, when's the best time to keep going. And he says, ask yourself this, is this something that will respond to guts, effort, and investment? This helps you just to decide whether or not this or where you can commit. And then if you do commit, you're not just browsing, you're in it. You, you know for sure that you want to go all the way. So is this something that will respond to guts, effort, and investment? And it kind of gets you, what he's saying is sometimes when you're feeling that short-term pain of uh, there's, no, uh, there's no results yet, and if you ask yourself, will this respond to guts, effort, and investment, that'll give you clarity on knowing whether or not to quit or not. And, and for me, I mean, the podcast is a good example. Uh, I'm, I've said yes to more things recently than I can take on. And, uh, and you know, I, I want to take a couple weeks off, 
but I know that if I take a couple of weeks off, I'm going to lose momentum. But if I, if I keep going, it's going to respond to guts, effort and investment because I'm getting a sense of the, the buzz, the initial attract, uh, the, the initial, um, uh, reactions that people are giving me the feedback that it's going to respond to guts, effort and investment. So that's enough for me to, to keep going and, uh, and, and work through these short-term obstacles. For sure. And then like with that too, with having, taking on more than like more than your bandwidth allows for when you're in that dip, it makes it easier to try and jump to those other things instead of sticking it out with the thing that you got going already. Right. Bro. First, I want to interrupt you and say, you're great at asking questions. I, 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 I got to learn from you. I got to learn from you. You're very articulate and you, and I like where this podcast is going because we kind of went off we went going off on a tangent and you're, and you're, um, and you're doing a great job with the questions. Can you ask the question again though? <laughs> because I, I totally forgot it in going on my rant. Yeah. Cause so now that you have these things popping up, all these extra things that kind of, you said yes to, that's more than your bandwidth allows when you're going through a dip that makes things tougher because now there's all these distractions, these bright lights you can kind of go and chase that allows you to kind of get out of that, the dip quote unquote versus sticking with the dip and riding it until it kind of crests. Um, so what I'm trying to do right now is I'm, I, I am working on building systems around how I create my content, when I create my content and having a process about it. And, uh, yeah. And so that's what I'm working on right now. Like right now I just, you know, I have a Calendly link for my podcast and they're like, you know, every other day and like they're sporadic, but instead I change the Calendly link options to just Wednesdays and Thursdays. So I know in my head I can compartmentalize. Those are days I'm doing recordings and all the other days I can, can, can focus on the other things that are moving things forward. Uh, whether it's the marketing of it, whether it's doing the TikToks or my, my, my day job and uh, my day job, I, I do have a day job too. So this is just proof that you can create momentum in a side and in, in, in any sort of side project. And the way that I see this, I enjoy it. I have a lot of fun doing it. This is shooting hoops for me, the way other people might go kayaking or like pick up some sort of side hobby. Like I love creating content. I've been doing it since I bought that initial um, JVC camera. And, uh, I, and I think for me now too, I'm just, I'm more confident because I just, uh, I don't know why I care less. You know what? The reason I care less about what other people think is because I, I, I'm much better at um, focusing on the wins and like, and like things where people have told me firsthand, Tom, like, like if you didn't, I didn't have that conversation with you, I would have quit and, and went and done this. Like people that are full-time creators have told me that. And I'm like, okay, well, if one person can tell me that and like, like I don't really care what like so-and-so said randomly on the internet uh, to, to try to bring me down because I, I, I like, I, I don't know. I, I know that it's affected at least one person in a positive way. Uh, and that's what I kind of come back to. That wasn't totally the answer to the question, but it's like, I guess going back to the why and like, and like, and like why I really care about this. And you, so you enjoy it, like, just like as if you're shooting hoops and you're as good at it, like when you're playing cornhole. Dude, how do you know I'm good at playing cornhole? <laughs> I can't remember where I heard that or how bro, I found that out. Bro, I am nasty at cornhole. Um, yeah, because my my brothers are really good at cornhole. Uh, so I have to be good. I I told you it's a competition, guys. Like I gotta beat my older brother. Although my brother, 
whoop my butt this summer in Cornhole. So it, we go by seasons, and this summer he he definitely was the king of the beach, and uh, he he definitely won. And and I found out why he's a, he's a phys ed teacher himself, and I ran into one of his students, and he was like, "Yo, you know we play cornhole every day at study hall." So he's been practicing all summer, and uh, and I didn't realize that he's getting his reps in. Uh, but like speaking of like talking about how how full time creators have come to you about potentially quitting, bring me back. We're jumping backwards again now. The car ride back from Penn State. Ash was talking about quitting music. Bring me into that car ride and what that conversation was like. Yeah, uh, he broke up with his girlfriend. We were in traffic for six hours and he was like, guys, I'm going to focus on teaching. This isn't for me. And he was just kind of in the dumps. And I I, I feel like I, I called his bluff right away, like mentally, but I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah bro, like whatever you want to do. And um, and then, yeah, that night, that night, Scooter Braun, Scooter Braun called me. <laughs> Wait, that was the same day? It was the same day. Bro, Joe, you can't script this stuff. Bro, it, it, like Scooter called me the same day and said, give me the details on Asher Roth. I hung up the phone because I thought it was the cops because Asher's house was getting noise violations and he has a really deep voice. Give me the details on Asher Roth. And uh, I was just like, nah, bro. And it was like, uh, then he called back and uh, he was like, this is the most important phone call of your boy's career. And he was like, I'm such and such and started like name dropping. And then I, I believed him. And then I ran across the street, told Asher, we got to call this guy. And uh, yeah, we, that's how we met Scooter Braun. There's one little part of that story I want to add here because it's something that we how can we tie back. <laughs> oh, I mean, there's that. There's that too. But what I was going to say is at the time Scooter called you, you were playing Madden. So had your roommate not been playing Madden back in the day, you never would have met Asher. Dude, and then Madden Scooter called you when you're playing up. Madden. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, dude, I love that game. I got to, I don't know. It was, uh, it was, I think it was like PlayStation at the time. I don't know. I don't know what Madden's like now, but dude, Madden, Madden slaps. Was that, uh, was that like Madden 06? I think it was, was it an know, Eagles man. player on the cover, man? I can't remember. I that know. was like my Madden. I know, Madden that, I know that Randy Moss and Tom Brady were the, were the guys that season. <laughs> Fair enough. And so how Scooter got the phone number was on, you made a Facebook page for Asher and it had your phone number on it, but his, um, his MySpace had his like pseudo manager's number on it. So had he called the manager, the scooter stuff never would have happened. Right. But he happened to call you. He happened to call me. He saw that I was like, probably just his, like, like uh, his boy, like, you know, someone that just supporting him, not his manager. Uh, I actually never talked to Scooter why he called that specific number. Um, but he's a really smart dude. Uh, I mean, if you hear the Justin Bieber story, he, he, uh, you know, he called everyone like around his world to get in touch with him. Like he ended up calling like the community center that like, like hosted, you know, like he saw the sign of the community center in the background. Like there's a crazy story about how he ended up finding actual Justin Bieber's family's number. So, you know, I think Scooter is just a really bright dude. And, uh, and he knew that, uh, you know, if he, if he, if he went through the suits, he might not have been able to talk to Asher directly. So he called my dumb ass and, uh, and, uh, and it worked, it worked, man. I'm glad he did. Uh, yeah. Cause then, so after he called you, you got the phone to Asher who talked to Scooter for like an hour. And then after that phone call, you guys thought you made it at that point, right? Like crazy dude, party. After. Dude, I just got the chills. We had a party in his basement. We woke up all his roommates. They they brought out the uh, the herbals, um, and I, I I don't I don't do the surprisingly enough people think that if since I'm friends with Asher I uh, I participate in the herbals but I don't 
but I was, you know, I was probably sipping on a little, a little, a little nice drink. Uh, and we just, we, dude, we thought we freaking made it. And then, and then Scooter did not hit us back for like months. And I messaged him, I messaged him on Facebook still like consistently, and he would give me one liners. And then uh, months later, uh, Asher was leaving Borat and Asher texted him and so said, trust your gut, let's make moves. And he was like, yo, if you can get down here, it's the VH1 awards or like the Source Awards or some, some sort of award awards? show. What? Was it the Bet Awards? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. It might have been, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, he flew him down there. Uh, or no, he flew himself down there. And then he he uh, met all these people. He came back and it was my birthday. And we all sat in our basement drinking wild turkey whiskey. And he sat there for like hours just telling us stories. And like, we're like on the edge of our seat, like so stoked for this, man. It was really cool. What are one or two of those stories that you can still remember all these years later? But he remember, I remember him saying that he rapped for Shaka Zulu. He, uh, he, he, yeah, he sat down and rapped with Shaka Zulu. I remember he said when he walked into Scooter's apartment, the first thing Scooter had him do, he like Scooter's this type of dude too. Like he, he's a, there's no one in the world like Scooter. There's nothing you can even compare him to. I, I and like the, knowing Scooter now, like this is such a Scooter story. Like literally, the first thing he did was he was like, he walked in, he's like, "What's up, man? Yo, can you help me?" can you help me hang this art? And he literally had, like, there was art, like, before they even talked and, like, got to know each other, like, he's, like, helping him, like, hang this art, like, in his, like, in his first hallway when you go into his condo uh, on his wall. And, like, why, like, why would someone do that? But, like, Scooter, he, I don't know, he just sort of uh, has a way about him where he, like, he just skips all the, uh, <laughs> the fluff in the intro and just gets right into, you know, knowing each other. But and like at that time, Scooter Braun wasn't Scooter Braun that everyone knows today, right? It's like, why did you guys put so much stock in him before? Like he he called you and then ghosted you. Like you guys are pursuing him heavy. Like why are you guys all in on Scooter at that point before he's like the big household name that everyone knows? Yeah, now? he had one article, a uh, local article from Atlanta, like a Bucktown, uh, or what was it? Yeah, it was a local. I think it was called Creative Loafing. Loafing. If you look up Creative Loafing, Scooter Braun. There's an article with him like driving a, a purple Benz, shaking Snoop's hands, shaking Kanye's hand. And uh, we just thought we never saw that. We didn't know anyone that shook those people's hands. And we thought he was the real deal. But also he has this like immense confidence about him as if he already made it. Uh, that just shows up in every interaction that he has. And uh, yeah, it just for some reason it was it was the best bet we had. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, yeah, he, he, he made us believe in him. Uh, th there was another moment. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know where you want to go with it next, but yeah, I, I, just the way he carried himself, uh, it's just, he has this confidence about him that, that makes people believe in him. What was that? What was that moment that you just thought of? The moment was when, uh, we were going back and forth on whether or not we should actually move to Atlanta. Um, cause Asher ended up getting a deal. Uh, through Scooter, Scooter got him a deal at Universal, and then I was still in college. I had about a year and a half left because I transferred and had extra credits that I had to I had to uh, fulfill. And um, Asher just dropped out completely, and he was like, "Yo, I want to move to Atlanta, but I'm not going unless you go." And I was like, "Yo, I gotta wait a year and a half uh, and finish school, or my parents just won't be stoked." Uh, and so I was just like, you know, trying to do the right thing, and then. Uh, Scooter called one day and I, and he said, 
I remember he said, hey, man, um, if you guys don't move to Atlanta soon, I'm going to start putting all of my attention into this new artist I just signed. And he's a 13-year-old future Abercrombie and Fitch model that sounds like an angel and that sings like an angel. And I was just like, all right, bro, like, what are you talking about? And he was like, he was like, once he's down here, I'm gonna, he's going to get all my attention. So that gave me, that inspired me. I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to go for it. Uh, and uh, I went to my guidance counselor at college and asked him, you know, if, is, is there any way that I can graduate early? And he was like, he, he was like, you know, you can if you just change your major to like professional studies, which I still don't know what that is. And then we ended up, uh, I, I ended up graduating early, moving like literally that semester I graduated and I moved to Atlanta, got a U-Haul, moved to Atlanta with Asher and and two other friends. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that phone call from Scooter where he's telling you about Justin Bieber happened when you were sitting in an Acme parking lot, right? Facts. And like one thing too, I want to ask before kind of before the move to Atlanta, there was a trip in between that first trip that Scooter took or not, sorry, that, that Asher took and the move. And so that was your first trip down. And that was for a studio session with Ben Allen that Asher had. And then Asher ended up sticking around after for some meetings and you went to drive home alone and like your car broke down like five times or something on the trek back when you were alone. I remember having, so whenever I turned my car off, it wouldn't turn back on. So I w- wouldn't stop the car. I, I didn't want to pull over, so I was I was literally I was peeing in Gatorade bottles as I was driving on on I ninety five, bro. And meanwhile, Asher was flying probably first class in a jet to go meet uh, Jay Z and Steve Rifkin, and I'm driving back in my gold Honda and and peeing in Gatorade bottles. But like, yo, I, I gotta tell you, the reason I like telling these stories is because. I think it gives more context to if you see my Instagram, if you see my TikTok, if you see my podcast, I believe that I have a perspective on uh, what it means to be a creative entrepreneur or creator, whatever you want to call it, that I have a lot of angles of this world from behind the scenes, from being the guy, from working the brands, from moments where I'm, you know, just committing, driving a beat up Honda, you know, eight. Uh, 8,000 mi- or 800, 8,000, a lot of miles peeing in Gatorade bottles. So the car doesn't break down. Like I've seen so many different angles for like, like the, the lengths people need to go to make the stuff happen. And I have a lot of empathy and compassion for the person that just has the guts to go that path. Because at the beginning, no one supported us. When we went to, to Atlanta, like people looked me in my eye and said, just because you're going there doesn't mean you're going to make it. I remember people saying like, uh, you know, it like, all sorts of comments like that, thinking we were nuts. And like, I'm like, yo, like we're on an island. Like if we didn't have us three, like just like all committed to this, I don't know. I don't like, we, you know, we'd end up being here two weeks. But uh, yeah, just that's why I want to be that support system in people's ears saying, yo, if you want to do this, it's possible. Like, like in what, some way, shape or form, you just got to find the way to deliver, deliver your stories, deliver your visuals, deliver, you know, package your, your ideas and give it to the world, but it's possible. So yeah, that, that, I'm gonna, that was my quick tangent, but that's why just so for context, when I go into those stories, that's why I'm telling it. It's not like, yo, I met Scooter Braun. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just want to say that like, yo, I've seen these worlds. Like I remember seeing Taylor Swift's fingers, like she had no fingernails. Because of the, um, I had so much respect for her when I saw that her fingers were curled up because she's been playing the guitar since she was 
four. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like that inspires me. And like, I've seen the details in what it takes for people to, to, uh, you know, get their ideas to the world and, and build followings and make an impact on people. And I think one thing that's interesting too, back to where people looked you in your eye and told you that you just, because you're going to Atlanta, doesn't mean you're going to make it. It's like, what are, what is their goal in that situation? I mean, you'd be like, you know what? You're right. And then not go to Atlanta. Like, even if you go to Atlanta and you don't make it, you still went there and had that shot. Yeah. I know what exactly it is. It's when people see you doing something that they innately want to do, they want to somehow make it even. They want to somehow protect their ego in saying, okay, I'm doing the right thing by not doing anything out of my comfort zone. And so by them saying that, it, 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 some, they feel like it protects their decisions. Like people, that's what I realized. Uh, I'm really into healthy eating and people get offended when I eat healthy, even though it has no effect on them because it, they think I'm saying you should eat this way. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying like, this is what I want to consume. This is the best decision for me. I enjoy this. I feel good about it. But, and it's the same thing in the creative world. When people see you doing something that reminds them, oh, like, because everyone deep down knows they should be eating healthy. Like people's, oh, I should be starting that business, writing that book, doing that thing that is in the back of my mind. And when I see someone else have bold, inspired action to make it happen, I get offended. So I have to somehow bring it down and, and rationalize to make myself feel better. And so kind of on that too, another thing that I've noticed when it's not just the fact that you make them them feel like them feel like they're you're eating healthy makes them feel like they should be eating healthy. It's also that people don't like change and it's not just the change that they make. It's like when other people change around them, that kind of impacts their world in a small degree. And so therefore they don't like that change that you're creating within yourself. And so they push back on it as well. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? A hundred percent. When people see you improving, they, you start to become someone else, <laughs> right? And, you know, you, yeah, there's just different interest. And like now they feel like they have to change too. And yeah, people don't like change. You, you couldn't have said it better. Uh, so to protect them not having to change, they want to keep you the same. And so how do you, like you said back in the day, like you guys had the three of you, so you were kind of able to, to rally off of each other. But like, even in that case, like, how do you have, like, it's different when there's haters online versus haters looking in the eye, telling you that just because you're going means you might not make it. It's like, how, do, what keeps you going in that, in those moments? I remember I have a journal. I have a journal somewhere where it, like I wrote, you know how like uh, football teams like hang up like locker room inspiration, like locker room, uh, like like newspaper articles saying they're going to lose. Like I wrote that stuff down uh, and I was like, you know what, just because they said that we're going to make it happen. Uh, and I don't know if that helped or not. Um, and I don't I don't really now I don't I, I don't think that that's like the, the healthiest way to approach that. Uh, now I more so would just like you know, like maybe my actions might inspire them to, uh, maybe they don't see it right now, but maybe my actions over time will inspire them to take their own form of bold, inspire action. And, and at the time though, I think that we were just, um, trying to put myself in the headspace at the time, uh, because we still, it, it was, 
still a crazy gamble. Like I remember two weeks in, I went into my one boy's room and we just cried. We were like, what are we doing here? Like, this is stupid. <laughs> like, like we, we really wanted to move back. We, uh, we didn't believe, like, we definitely were down on ourselves and, uh, you know, you know, had those moments of like, this is an, a moronic idea. And I don't, uh, I, what, what pushed us through was probably, I mean, sign the lease. I mean, I mean, th- I, I, you know what I'll, I'll say, I think one, I don't think that it succeeds if we stay in Westchester. I think going and removing yourself here, here's an, here's an analogy I use. So I think something that helped us was, uh, imagine you're a, a fish that's swimming in a fishbowl, right? And then someone takes you out of that fishbowl and puts you into it, another one. And you're getting in that other fishbowl, like all these new scenes, like the water's different. People are w- walking and w- like wearing different stuff, like all the imagery, there's sun, like you start to see the world in a totally different light, but also you don't have the immediate um, uh, limiting beliefs, the outlook on the world that like all of the people in your immediate circle in the other fishbowl had, like you're in this new world. And that's what we felt like. We were, felt like we were on an Island in Atlanta. And I get why a lot of artists like go and like go to Montana, go like random places to record their albums to go. Cause like, it, it's hard to see clearly when like, cause we're tribal people and like, it's so, sort of our instinct to like, want to go with the flow, want to see how everyone's seeing the world, like want to fall in line. And, 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 but like, it's hard to create from that, <laughs> from that way of thinking too. So I think going down there, removing ourselves from all of the things that like we were comfortable with, uh, forced us to, um, to just see the world, see the world differently. And then the other thing is we're hanging around people like Scooter. We're hanging. He's bringing us around these musicians. He's bringing us around these studios, these entrepreneurs, these investors, and these people got bread. I, I'm around more millionaires in a month than I have been, you know, leading up to that, you know. Uh, and uh, so I think when you start to see this is, I think once you see what's possible, right? When you see, oh, they've done it. Here's another example of someone doing it. Once you see examples of what possible, it opens up the your brain. Uh, to accept it, like, oh, I, it is possible. Like once you, like, like I said at the beginning, it's like putting different glasses on and just seeing a world differently. And I think that was so important us being down there and, and uh, yeah, just like getting out of our comfort zones and, and having, being forced to commit. So how are you getting out of your comfort zone today? Cause like then obviously you're a college student, so you have less dependence, you have less responsibilities. You can kind of drop things and go versus like, now maybe you can but like i don't know if you could drive everything and move to atlanta tomorrow the way i'm doing it now is i've been having interviews like this podcasts like this but also uh i i'll i am dude like i probably have like five new people i meet a week on zoom or on facetime and through the dms on instagram or 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 uh on on tiktok it is such an amazing tool and it's such a collaborative, supportive community. And, you know, DM someone be like, yo, like, let's catch up. I want to learn more about what you're doing. It's that simple. And then just be like, send a Calendly link or just send your number and just get on the call with other, with other people that are doing th- like that have success in areas that you don't already have success in, uh, you know, because you can learn a bit from them and like, you might have areas that, that complement them and just, 
and just rap and build those relationships. I come up upstairs and like uh, I tell my wife, she's like, yo, you were on the phone with that dude for four hours. <laughs> like, it's like a Saturday. And I'm like, yeah, like uh, we had, you know, it was just a fun. I, I was just like really enjoying that conversation. And what he's doing, he's exposing me to his fishbowl right? Like his world, his way of seeing things. And once I get these little moments of like, oh, they succeed. Oh, he made this much off of affiliates. Oh, that makes it possible in my brain. Now, like once you get an example of it's possible, I think uh, the, the there's a lot of examples of that in, like in history where like stuff never happened before. Then one guy did it and then three months later, everyone did it. Like I think the four minute mile is an example. Uh, I think uh, people writing like certain books and certain subjects, like as soon as someone's exposed to that world, ben, Benjamin Hardy talks about, so I'm going on a rant. He talks about, he adopt, Benjamin Hardy's an author. He adopted uh, a bunch of kids, uh, a couple of kids recently. And he talks about how uh, just growing up in his house now, they see what's possible from an author, an entrepreneur, and their brain starts to make sense of that. And, and like before, they never had an example of that in real time to, to, to even consider. That's interesting. So even though you can't physically be places with the internet now, there's ways to digitally kind of expose yourself to these new environments and get out of your comfort zone that way. Bro, I could have said all of that in that one sentence. <laughs> 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 yes, exactly. It, it's that. And uh, the, the other thing that I've been, I, I try to consider too, Simon Siddick talks about the infinite game versus the uh, finite games and the the infinite game I, i'm not the best at explaining it but it's like uh or the finite game is like competing against someone else so in the past i would have saw like something my friend did or saw like and like really being like oh like and like comparing myself to them and and needing to be better than them and 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 openly like us having conversations like yo i was jealous when you did that because i've never done that before but but now he says, like, find worthy opponents to elevate your game. Instead of trying to beat them, use that as an example of what's possible. And then also play infinite games where it's like, is me doing this bettering everything for the long term? And, like, playing that game instead of trying to beat someone on, like, a, on like a very small, finite scale. So that's what I do, too. I, I, I've been... Whenever I see something that in the past would have made me jealous or insecure because someone's crushing it, I say, you know what? Like, what can I learn from this? Uh, every, there's a quote I have. It's called, everyone's hiking their own hike. And if the other, you know, it's a derivative of everyone's running their own race. I don't like race because a race means there's an end point. It means there's a competition. It means there's a start and a finish. But I think entrepreneurs, creators, podcasters, whatever, we're all different hikes. We're going through different paths in the woods. Some people are going further. Some people are going this way. Some people want to jump in the river and there's, there's no real like competition here, uh, but you can learn from each other. So you can go on one hike and say, Tom, you got to come check out this waterfall over here. And I'm like, oh yeah, I got to go check out that waterfall. And the analogy is the waterfall is like, okay, maybe I can learn from you. You're using Zencaster. And uh, okay, I, maybe I should use that instead of Zoom. Maybe that's why his podcasts are a little better, and and we can collaborate that way. So hike, hike, everyone's hiking their own hike, and uh, we can collaborate with each other. I like that. It's like taking an abundant mindset, not only applying it to yourself, but understanding that it can apply to more than just yourself, and everyone can win. It's not an individual game. I I, I really like that a lot. Exactly. Yo, real quick, did you wear that red sweatshirt? Because I wear a, a red sweatshirt in in most of my videos. 
I did, yes. <laughs> yes. Dude, you're thorough. I literally had it on before, but I was filming a skit and like uh I, I this was in one of the scenes. So uh I wish we I wish we both had it, but but keep going. I was just say, it was this one or my, I couldn't find I had a yellow one because I know you mix up the colors of your sweaters and your videos. Is that intentionally? Is that like something you do that like if you're wearing gray clothing in a TikTok video, you won't pop as much versus if you have red, it might catch someone's eye? Yeah. I, I've been experimenting with that. I actually that's a gap sweatshirt. It's it's amazing. Everyone's asking me where I get it. Like it's like some like some like crazy brand. It's just like it's just gap. I like gap because there's no logos on it. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I'm going to go online and buy like, I want to buy like a yellow one, like a light blue one, because I think when you're scrolling, it definitely catches people's eyes a little more. Uh, it wasn't intentionally at first. I just wanted something that was plain and not like I didn't look boring in, but like, I do notice that the videos that I have the wet red sweatshirt on tend to tend to have uh, more retention time. Interesting. Maybe I'll have to start wearing this one. It's also a sweater that I made one time. So like double, double the reason. So like maybe I'll have to start wearing up in the red. Um, but I know we're almost at a time here and I told you I had a bunch of notes. We're on page four of 13 of my notes. So we'll have to run it back and do a sequel at some point. Um, but I'm going to jump to my, my last two questions that I ask everyone at the end of every interview. Um, and I know you're doing a number of these podcasts, so you probably do this often, but how often do you take the time to properly reflect on the whole journey? The whole journey? Not that often. Uh, not enough, uh, but there will be moments like, um, there will be moments like we're, I'm watching the little Dicky show right now. It's a great show. And there's a lot of moments in there that like my wife can't really relate to. And because like, I've been in these, like, I've literally been like, there's so many scenes where I'm like, because he's managed by scooter now. And I'm like, is this writer someone from our world? Like I know Dickie like wrote most of it, a lot of it too, but I'm like, I'm like, no, it's probably, it's probably just like, these are like consistent things in the creative industry, especially being an artist. So watching a show like that, like has brought me back into like these like moments. I'm like, yo, this is so accurate. Like it's so dialed in. Uh, but, uh, I do journal. I do journal. I got a yellow journal and I'll try to recall things. I do write down how I, how I think I reflect is, I do do a good job of either when I have like a an insight or like a lesson or idea that I remember from from the past or I currently go through, I'm good at documenting them and writing them down and then telling them to people and like telling them, teaching them and like like sharing these ideas makes you internalize them. And yeah, so I, I think uh, I, I do it to a, a, a degree, but I think writing it down, journaling is is a, a great way to kind of look, make those lessons tangible and, and apply them to your day-to-day -day now. Yeah. And then you turn them into content and then by teaching them, they stick with you even more. Yes. And so for my last question, I like to flip the script a little bit. So instead of me asking the question, it's you asking the question, but it's not to me. Pretend you have a crystal ball. You can ask this crystal ball any question. You'll get the 100% honest answer. What is one question you want to know the answer to? You got to give me a second here. That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, one question I want to know the answer to, oh man. All right. All right. This could go anywhere. One question I want to know the answer to, um, does my dog think I'm funny? Because <laughs> I'd be saying, man, I, I say a lot of jokes to my dog and she just looks at me with like a straight face, man. I really want to know if my jokes are 
jokes are working. <laughs> I love that question. Like you always get something a little different. I've never got anything like that as an answer to that question. And I, I love that. That's cool. perfect. Let's, let's, um, let's clip it then. Yo, bro, this was uh, so much fun, man. I can't wait to uh, hear this. And I honestly, I, I, I could talk for another two hours on these subjects. So let's run it back and do a, do a sequel to this. hundred percent, man. I, lo- I look forward to it, but I want to thank you so much for taking the time to jump on the podcast. Just this one time, I'm looking forward to the, no- the next one already. Um, I want to give you the floor, where can the people find you plug anything and everything you got right now? Yeah. Go check out the podcast creators are brands and check out my TikTok and Instagram bonus footage and give your boy a review or don't give me a review it's it's cool either way and then yeah find something find a sprint a creative project that you and some close friends can put in action and uh and and make that first action today awesome i love it i want to thank you once again for taking time to be in the podcast and i want to thank everybody for listening with us the entire way through you only listen to bits and pieces i really appreciate it. take time to check this out everyone do me a big favor go and follow tom go and subscribe to his podcast i'll make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below so you can find it and make sure to dm him dm me as well what you choose your sprint to be uh, if you'd like to follow me you can find me everywhere on social media at the jacob kelly feel free to come and say hello my dms are always open as always today's podcast is powered by true fan thank you once again for listening we'll talk soon You're a pro. Thanks, brother.